0: Welcome into another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you, and we're back a day early. Hello, Justin. Hello, Caleb. This is uh, perhaps, dare I use the word, unprecedented. You know, I saw that book or that word in a book
1: or magazine, something I was reading, and I was like, man, we haven't used that in a while on the podcast, but I feel like it fits for this episode of the podcast.
0: So we're back a day early here on... Wednesday, July 13th, recording and it's all because of one not so simple story. Alex Pillow reportedly uh well, <laughs> reportedly with, with two teams, <laughs> Ganassi and then uh a few hours later, no, McLaren announces a deal with Poleo. Now, McLaren, not specifically Aero McLaren SP, and yep. now Ganassi saying, "No, we we still have claims to his services so we'll kind of run down the timeline first and then get into everything and what we think also we'll have uh, some thoughts on Colton Herta getting his first McLaren F1 TPC test we thought that would be the lead this week we thought that would yeah definitely be the biggest story of the week and then of course a preview of the Honda NE Toronto at Exhibition Place coming up this weekend back in Canada I'm excited yes I'm excited for this race and here we go we'll start with the timeline first off Ganassi extends below deal. So that, that's the headline we get. We, we get confirmation of that Tuesday afternoon. Okay. Not it, a big surprise,
1: right? It, it felt okay. Everything we're hearing is this is going to happen. So, you know, business as usual. So we felt like that was just a, you know, kind of get it out of the way and confirm what we all thought.
0: So they announced that they chip Ganassi racing exercised their option to extend Alex blow through the 2023 season. Now, This is where things get interesting, right? This is where things take a turn. So I'm pulling up the press release, and this quote attributed to Alex Pillow, very important word attributed, it's a great feeling knowing I'll be back with Chip Ganassi Racing next season, said Alex Pillow. The team welcomed me with open arms from day one, and I'm excited to continue working with Chip, Mike Hull, the folks on the number 10 NTT Data Car, and everyone within the organization. The goals remain the same, and we'll continue to work relentlessly towards achieving them. Okay, so that's in the release. Alex Blow back with Ganassi next year, team option. Okay. And there was a, what, a chip quote in there. It yes. was, you know, pretty standard press yeah. release. N- nothing about it seems any different from anything. However, after that release, Alex Blow tweets on his own Twitter account, which you sent me yesterday. yesterday.
1: And I'm going, okay, here, what do we we got? And my jaw dropped, Yeah,
0: literally. I, I could not believe what was happening. Pillow tweeted, I have recently learned from the media that this afternoon, this is Tuesday afternoon, without my approval, Chip Ganassi Racing issued a press release announcing that I would be driving with CGR in 2023. Even more surprising was that CGR's release included a quote, and he used quote and put quotation marks around the word quote, which did not come from me. I did not approve that press release and I did not author or approve that quote. As I have recently informed CGR for personal reasons, I do not intend to continue with the team after 2022. This evening's unfortunate events aside, I have great respect for the CGR team and look forward to finishing this season strongly together. That is unlike anything I think we've ever seen in the sport when it comes to driver news. Yes, there's been some shocking things during the life of this podcast and slightly before you had, Fernando Alonso running the Indy 500 in 2017. Roger Penske buying IndyCar and IMS back the end of 2019. This is right up there with those, if not exceeding them. And I feel like
1: this story is still developing, still ongoing. This is not a simple thing of the announcement comes and then we deal with the fallout or the after effects. This is going to be a thing at least... For the foreseeable future, as these two teams basically fight over the services of Alex Pillow. And basically, who's going to have to pay who what to drive where?
0: Yes. And we get into the legal battle of everything with that. So on the timeline, so Pillow issues this denial. Then you look at the timestamp. So his tweet was sent at 7.15 p.m. Eastern, July 12th. Then you have Adam Stern report. Five minutes later, McLaren says Alex Blow is joining its team in 2023. He has a picture of the release. And then the McLaren tweet goes out officially two minutes later. Ola, Alex. McLaren Racing. Again, McLaren Racing. That's very important. Welcomes IndyCar champion Alex Blow to its driver roster from 2023 as the team continues to build talent across all of its racing series. Our full driver lineup across all racing series will be confirmed in due course.
1: Ooh, so many layers to this thing. It's like an onion, folks, and we're going to peel every single layer of this off. Marshall Pruitt made a good point in one of his stories at racer.com that the timing of the release for McLaren was not conducive to... You know prime time in terms of attention from the media it, it ended up being it because it was such a, a bombshell but it was obviously a reaction to the earlier release by ganassi both polo's response and mclaren's announcement is due to the timing they did it because ganassi got in front of whatever the hell is going on here so this was not planned, I don't think, on the McLaren side or the Pello side. Yesterday, it was purely a re- reaction of Chip Ganassi Racing announcing that they, you know, effectively had picked up the option for Alex Pello, which they are right to do in the contract. It's it from what we understand, team options for twenty three and twenty four, and you can pick it up a year at a time. All Chip Ganassi has done is picked up that option, so. Effectively, McLaren is gonna have to buy out that contract for Alex Pillow to race for McLaren next year, unless there is some sort of clause or legalese that McLaren and Alex Pillow know of in that contract that will allow them to break it. And you know, I don't know if that contract is for IndyCar only. And if they put Alex Pillow into a Formula E seat or a McLaren F1 test driver seat, that null and voids the contract. There's just so many layers to this thing. But I, I think we can agree on the fact that Alex Pillow is done at Chip Ganassi Racing at the conclusion of this season, at the latest. If there was any owner, team owner, that would take real exception to this situation and make a move such as removing a driver that's fourth in the standings from the seat for the rest of the year, it would be Chip Ganassi, in my opinion. Not saying it's going to happen, but it wouldn't shock me at this point. So, so many, so many layers to this thing, Caleb, and uh, so many angles you can attack it from.
0: Yeah, and I guess now that we've gone through the timeline, what we know, because look, beyond all of that, everything else is essentially speculation, right? I mean, we can... We can speculate on things, and you mentioned it, the contract. What we do know, and the wording is very specific on this, and I thought uh, Will Buxton, who covers Formula One, but also has done some stuff with IndyCar in the past, uh, during his days with NBC, but I thought this was pretty pertinent, what he had to say. IndyCar champions automatically get the 40 points required for a Super License, and the release says that he'll be on McLaren's TPC program running the 2021 F1 car. So that's the same testing of a previous car program that Colton Herta had earlier this week that he did at Portsmouth and then also Pato Award set to join as well. So Pillow will be on that schedule. Buxton goes on to say, Curiouser and Curiouser, as I remarked yesterday, McLaren are being very smart in their language. And... Then you throw on, you know, there's so many ramifications on this. It's not just Aaron McLaren SP, Alex Below and Chip Ganassi Racing, right? I mean, there are so many dominoes that fall. All of this happening, Daniel Ricciardo even sent out a statement <laughs> on all of this. Don't forget about me. There have been a lot of rumors around my future in Formula One, but I want you to hear it from me. I am commanded to McLaren until the end of next year and am not walking away from the sport. Appreciate it. Hasn't always been easy, but who wants easy? I'm working uh, with the team to make improvements and get the car right and back to the front where it belongs. I still want this more than ever. See you in Le Castellet. Daniel. Okay, so... Which, what, if they're in France, France next year? I would next assume. And yeah. Apologies for probably butchering that pronunciation. If you added
1: hon-hon-hon at the end, it would have been <laughs> perfect. Yeah. That's how you speak French.
0: So he puts out a statement that comes after a BBC article that came up earlier this week basically saying that oh Ricardo wants to move on from F1. So but that's a- where that comes from. And those rumors have been there and there have been rumors, look, there have been rumors all this season that with McLaren's IndyCar program that are they going to slot in Colton Herta into one of those seats and we all thought 2024 but then we learned Zach Brown talking with Nathan Brown, the Indy star back in May, that there are quote mechanisms in place. There are always mechanisms in place for contracts. That's, you know, Alex
1: Pillow was, you know, locked in right for 23 and 24 it's team option. So, but that, you know, not so fast. And before we continue to go, you know, props to Jenna Fryer, because she was the first one that dropped the Alex Pillow McLaren link talk. And basically, she said, you know, after locking up Alexander Rossi, McLaren was eyeing Alex Pillow. And and everybody said, well, you know, he's under contract. That can't happen. But as we're seeing, contracts mean nothing in motorsports. So just because Daniel Ricciardo is under contract next year at McLaren doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be in an F1 seat for McLaren or even with McLaren whatsoever. I mean, you know, they could just buy that contract out
0: if they wanted to. And also props to Tony Kanaan. Again, he responded to this back in early June. It was a post from a Brazilian IndyCar blog. And again, this is translated, but it says none of the two people will fall from their chairs when they know. And the blog was citing Felix Rosenquist or Renus VK talking about after Alexander Rossi to McLaren, you know, who would be in that other car. Which, which because tells Because that's what you, we all thought.
1: Right, which... If, which tells you that this has been worked on for quite some time. This has been rumored. This has been discussed. I have a feeling that this did not shock anybody in the IndyCar paddock because it sounds like this was developing into a thing months ago, a couple months ago, evidenced by Tony Kanan's tweet.
0: Yeah, and by that point, and it Jenna was... a Jenna Fryer's tweet. Clearly, right? again, by late May, early June, I mean, this has clearly been circulating... And we got confirmation. But again, these rumors don't come up until after the fact. It's not like they're reported in real time. Right. And you have to wait until re- race weekends a lot of times for these reporters to follow up on things like that. Yeah. And, you know, let's look at this as, as how it is, is the f- the
1: fact that Alex plo is going to McLaren, I think, is very much to do with having an F1 opportunity, whether it's a test, yes. whether it's being a test driver, whether or it's just saying this is the avenue that's better for you to try to get to formula one. And you look at Andretti autosport and for all their faults, they have come to an agreement with Zach Brown and, you know, guarantee you Michael and Zach get along a lot better than my, than Zach and chip even before this, but they became, they came to a deal and say, you know, yes, he's, he's going to do some F1 McLaren stuff, but he's also still at Andretti autosport. Right. Right. I think that may potential same proposal or same idea came up and Chip Ganassi was like, no, you're not doing that.
0: Well, and they even doubled down on their deal. Our release today said Alex Blow is under contract with the team through 2023. So they were very specific. That, no, they're not budging from this. So, But that's uh, just like a mechanism
1: that we're picking up the option, which means that you're going to have to buy it out, right? Yes. The, the, the most egregious thing of the entire announcement yesterday from Chip Ganassi on Tuesday was the fact that there was a fake quote in there. And when we start understanding in the world of PR, it, 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 uh, I guess you do this. So it's shocking, but I, I, guess.
0: I was telling Abby about all this and she said, oh, I used to have to write up quotes all the time back when she was in marketing and communications. Now she's just doing marketing work. But she said, yeah, that's pretty common in the industry. However, she Get said approval. That. exactly she <laughs> said she would always go to the executive for approval of the quote before sending the release out and that's but the part where things were not done correctly well, according to alex below
1: i'm sure it went to chip ganassi who approved it
0: the fact is they didn't go to alex Pelot to approve it but right? a lot of times as people pointed out and we'll get to this later in the mailbag but a lot of times they're not getting driver approval for every announcement i mean a lot of times it's I'd like to thank sponsor XYZ for coming on board. Yeah, and I'm excited to be racing at XYZ racetrack this weekend and hoping for a good result for the team. I mean, pretty Look, standard, you know, stuff.
1: Yeah, I get it, but at the same time, it can bite you in the butt. And this is a, a, a circumstance where it perfectly does. Right? Is you have a quote from somebody that maybe Alex Pillow did say that, or that's you know common practice when a you know a, a contract is signed or picked up, but the fact that you put that in the, oh, oh, Chip, If Chip Ganassi had left that out, that quote out yesterday, I would have no problem with what Chip Ganassi Racing did yesterday. All they did was announce that they had picked up Pelo's contract for 2023, which is within their right due to the contract. But the fact that that quote is in there
0: really kind of muddies the water for me. All right, so let's look at the ramifications first, and then we'll get to kind of the legal side stuff after. So first off, assuming everything happens that Polo is with McLaren. Now, McLaren Racing, we're not going to assume not Aaron AM, McLaren SP. yes. But obviously we know for Aaron McLaren SP next year, we have Alexander Rossi in a car, we have Pato Award in a car. Third car, one would presume it would be Polo if this goes through. Right. And then Felix Rosenquist would go to Formula E, Polo would still have his TPC F1 testing deal along with Award and herda. I would assume, that would continue... You know, if they renew those types of contracts, but obviously Plo would have it award would presumably have it as well for next year. Right. And then Rosenquist, the Formula E, they have another Formula E seat. I don't think that'll impact an IndyCar, car because that I think that could be an, another former F1 type name. So that's that. Then you get to the Ganassi side. Obviously, the 10 cars open. People were speculating right off the bat, oh, would Tony Kanaan be in the 10 car this weekend? No, he's racing SRX at I-55 Speedway in Missouri this weekend, so that is not happening. And and not that it was super realistic, but then you have to get to what are other names that are possible. So Sebastian Bourdais would be a possibility, right? Not just on a fill-in basis, but I, I'm talking full-time. People connected to the team. Sebastian Bourdais and Ryan Hunter-A, the first names you throw out there only because... They're already employed by the team. Not saying they'll get the ride, but they're already employed by the team. And you're talking 2023 full-time ride is what you're talking about right now. Yes. Now we get two more obvious candidates. You would think... Yeah, Renis VK would be one if he doesn't stay with ECR. And we thought he was a strong candidate for that McLaren seat in IndyCar. And, And again, rightfully so. He's a looming free agent. Makes sense. After that, I think this is where it gets pretty tricky.
1: It does. You know, for the first time in a long time, we looked at Chip Ganassi's you know, driver lineup and felt they're pretty set for the foreseeable future with Scott Dixon for the next couple of years, and eventually he's going to hang it up, but you feel, okay, you have Alex Palou, a championship winner, and you have Marcus Erickson, a 500 winner in the paddock. So... You're feeling pretty good about your driver lineup, and then peripherally you add a couple other guys. Now all of a sudden you let Alex Pillow go. And that's the whole thing. Like So so what made Alex Pillow leave? And uh, the majority opinion is because of the Formula 1, the lure of Formula 1, right? But also, from reading Marshall Pruitt and reading between the lines, Alex Pillow was not happy with his contract. It was a contract that was multiple years and was before his winning of the championship, right? He felt he deserved more money. And Chip Ganassi Racing was not giving him that money or the respect or or the the contract that he felt he deserved, right? And I think that was that extra push out the door is I'm not getting the respect of this team and they're not going to give me other opportunities to potentially, you know, allow me to dabble in Formula One like Andretti is letting Colton Herta do it. Those are the two driving factors, I think.
0: Well, and you have to remember, going to the contract side, Pillow was signed as uh, essentially an unproven right. second-year driver yeah. going into last he season. He was, what,
1: 16th in points his first yes. year
0: with Dick with Coin, And there were flashes, obviously. Sure. We knew he had talent, but when you're with a team for one year, you're 16th in points, look, we saw it with Ganassi before, Ed Jones. He had a, a solid year with Coin, and then gets picked up by Ganassi, didn't go well. Felix Rosenquist was kind of coveted by Ganassi and took him a bit. Now he did get a win, and then we've seen him kind of regain that form with McLaren in year two, but it's, it's no guarantee, right? And so right. that original contract that was signed, I'm sure was on the cheap. Now, I guess I'm surprised that contract was a multi-year deal and a true multi-year deal. right there was nothing reported that I can recall of that he was set for one year and then a, a team option Correct. or driver option for year two. So it's like multi-year a multi-year
1: deal. Yeah, It was like a two year deal with
0: two team options for additional years. So obviously Ganassi picking up the, the team option for 23. So getting into the contract side now, you mentioned it. This essentially is McLaren surprised by this move. They somehow learned of the discussions. Now they're going to be forced to pay a buyout and pay more money. But, however, like you said, his current contract is still not going to be market rate for a championship winning driver because this was signed back in what, 2019 going 20, into 2020? Yeah. For so 2020. The, the buyout can't be that expensive. It's not like they can hold a, a king's ransom, right? I mean, it's all about that fine print in that contract, right?
1: I mean, another question is with with Marshall Pruitt bringing it up is, you know, are there right now two contracts with Alex Pillow's signature committing to two teams for 2023? So if he signed that contract in which there was a team option for 2023 and indeed CGR picked it up, then he's locked into that contract. And then did he sign a contract then to lock him in with 2023 with McLaren? I mean that you know legally that's where it gets messy because you know does McLaren have an eye on some sort of out clause or you know reading between the lines found something to to opt out are they willing to buy out that contract I mean th- those are the questions and I think look nobody should feel sorry for Chip Ganassi in this in the, this is the whole overriding thing is for the longest time the big teams of IndyCar plucked the prospects from the smaller teams in IndyCar Right, so everybody from Joseph Newgarden to you know even Alex Palou to Marcus Erickson to um, you know all these drivers at the top teams started a lot of them at the smaller teams. So teams like Dale Coyne and and other teams right now are 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 kind of laughing, going, "See, this is how it is. This is how, what we had to deal with." Right, where we would develop a driver, feel pretty good, and then. He goes to a better opportunity, more money, more opportunity. That's exactly what Alex Pillow is doing. It's just, you know, it's incredibly messy with the contract situation.
0: Well, and teams like Ganassi and Andretti aren't used to losing drivers to anyone but Pinsky, And even that is pretty rare. Yeah, right. And so this is kind of a new territory for a team like Ganassi to lose someone to another team that's not Penske. Like, I think everyone would understand if it was to Penske. But even now, McLaren, they may not have the on-track results. And and look, it would take a long time for them to catch up to the on-track results of Penske. Right. And IndyCar. But they have resources that are equal or greater to that of Penske. I mean... Greater, I guess. And I
1: don't know how much the overlap is between Formula One and, and IndyCar in terms of assets and capital being able to be used. But the fact is that McLaren outside of penske has the biggest amount of capital to tap into in indycar it's not even close like like we knew that mclaren entering indycar was a big deal but i don't think it, it it it's really hit us until stuff like this right where they're coming in and throwing their weight around and throwing their money around and throwing their influence around and throwing their pipeline to formula 1 around to completely completely offset the advantages that we felt the top teams in IndyCar had.
0: Yeah. Because of that Formula 1 connection and just, again, scale, right? Yeah. Penske has scale because they're in multiple series. Andretti is in multiple series. Ganassi. But none of them are Formula 1. Multiple series. Yes. You know what I mean? Some of them have had cup programs or still do sports car programs but it's not formula cars <laughs> exactly it, <laughs> and it's it does not, not compare to the money in formula and 1 and
1: not only that it's the pinnacle not only you know uh, of of motorsport in the world of open wheel racing in the world right so there's a bigger easier path from you know so called easier from open wheel racing in north america to open wheel racing in formula 1 um and we can argue oh well, you know really it is it isn't but when that is your goal to achieve that and now you can be with a team that has a natural pipeline in there that has the contacts then you're going to have drivers matriculate over there but i don't think we can we can overstate the the state the what happened with this situation which a championship winning driver with one of the top perennially the top 2 teams in the sport of indycar over the last generation lost its championship winning driver to another team you just don't see it you know drivers don't leave ganassi drivers don't leave penske to go to other teams in indycar that just happened right yeah i mean it's 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 amazing i love it because it just throws everything up for grabs now
0: upending the status quo is is obviously going to be shocking to the system but it's creating drama it's it's creating not only attention among indycar fans and motorsports fans in the u.s i mean this this story right. generated global attention yeah and and something else mclaren
1: has you know we talk so much about the drama real or contrived in formula one and drive to survive is oh you, know, you look around in indycar the you know, paddock's boring everybody's nice McLaren has brought that infusion of formula one in terms of behind the scenes negotiating and in, in, you know, really bringing tension and drama to the paddock at this point, particularly between McLaren and Chip Ganassi and even more particularly Zach Brown and Chip Ganassi.
0: Right. And and here we thought Rossi going from Andretti to McLaren was their big move, you know, for 2023 Right. Picking up an Indy 500 driver and a multi-time championship contender, race winner. Yeah, he sh- has struggled up, up until this season, the past couple of years, but still a very talented driver who was the face of a team Right. and picking him away. And here they pick away, maybe not necessarily the face of Ganassi now, but he'd become the face of Ganassi for a long time in the future. I mean, he's on the load screen of the app at the beginning of the year, right? I, he was the
1: only... If I remember, the only Ganassi driver up there, there was no Scott Dixon in that load screen. I think you can still check it even now. So he was in very much a, a face of the series in their opinion, and he's been bought out. He's going to another team. So I just think it, you know we 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 were we were begging for drama, right? Now we have it in ways that we never thought possible.
0: And now you get back to again assuming Ploe is an IndyCar which depends on the contracts if McLaren found some out that they can make that happen they will do it otherwise he could be racing Formula E I doubt it he could be a reserve driver for the F1 team next year until he can compete right you know elsewhere until they have a spot for him I just but I, it's clearly worth it for him monetarily because right. again outside of getting that championship bonus for IndyCar that's stayed A million dollars for as long as I can remember. And again, not all that's going to the driver. You always have taxes and then a a cut of that, I'm sure, is going back to the team. So he's woefully underpaid as it is. Yeah. And you have to look to your future. Well, this is a future opportunity. And I feel my, it's a lesson to Chip Canassi because I feel
1: that that team is kind of skirted along with. Not paying top dollar to guys that aren't named Scott Dixon because it's an honor to be with Chip Ganassi Racing in the history blah, blah, blah. And McLaren just proved that you better pay up for your drivers, right? Because no contract is unbreakable or at least cannot be bought out, particularly with an organization like McLaren that has the money and assets that it has.
0: So we assume we have an open seat at the 10, we mentioned Renis VK. After that, it's pretty slim as far as current IndyCar drivers, you know, could it be someone from outside IndyCar getting that seat? Would not surprise me I, at all.
1: And I think, you know, Chip Ganassi is going to be aggressive now. And, you know, does he go after a Callum Aylot potentially? That's another name that's been mentioned. Um, does he try to find the next Alex Pelosi, so to speak, a guy that's coming up and could potentially slide in and and surprise everybody and compete for a championship? I mean, you know, the, the gloves are off, not just with chip and Zach Brown, but I think everybody in the paddock, I think it's really going to become, this is really setting a precedent that it's becoming more cutthroat in the paddock to sign talent because you have, you have teams that are going to come in and not honor the gentlemanly agreements that are part of IndyCar for the longest time they're coming in and they're going to make a splash and they're going to pursue the drivers that they want. And they're not going to be, you know, turned down just because there's a contract in place for this many years. They are going to get what they want. If that driver is open to, you know, reciprocation and is interested and this kind of proves it. So I think it's going to make everybody, every team in the paddock really look themselves in the mirror and say, man, we really need to provide for these drivers because contracts mean nothing.
0: They've upended, they being Aaron McLaren, SP, have upended the system. I'm sure their drivers are getting paid better than a lot of other drivers in the series. And they're forcing teams to be more competitive, not just with signing drivers, but with development, with sponsorship, with crew, with engineers. I I mean, you got to remember, they plucked Craig Hampson away Right. A couple of years ago. And that was a big coup on the engineering side. And now they're just picking drivers away to get who they want for their lineup. And so far it's working as far as picking who they want and who is available. So we'll see. But the, the next thing is obviously who will be the number 10 driver. And that's the ultimate question we'll have going into this weekend. And we'll see if any names emerge. I mean,
1: I feel like that number 10 could be open as soon as Iowa, in my opinion. I don't know if it's likely. I mean, who knows at this point what's going to happen, but it wouldn't shock me.
0: I don't know if Alex below completes the season with CGR. Because of the different contracts, you would think he'd have to be in place, but I mean, I'm sure to, there will be. Could they
1: sideline him and still honor the contract? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, are they really going to be sharing, you know, just look at the driver meetings and team meetings, you know, and going over, you know, so-called secrets of team, you know, all of a sudden there, you know, I'm sure it's similar to Andretti that Rossi has kind of been pushed aside in terms of those conversations. You're not going to have those conversations now with Alex below and you know, man, you'd love to be able to watch that team meeting going into this weekend. Right?
0: Yeah. And something Jennifer pointed out on Twitter, I'm reminded of something chip Ganassi has said repeatedly since selling his NASCAR team. Everything I have is for sale. She says, I presume that includes the existing option year or years on Pillow's contract. And that's why I think CGR picked up that contract for next year.
1: Not that they expect at this point for Alex Pillow to be back with that team, but it makes it much more lucrative for CGR in terms of having to buy out that year and potentially two years. I mean, based on on the fine print, McLaren may have to buy out
0: 23 and 24 for Alex Pillow. And probably the total of that cost is still less than they're paying him for next year. I mean, between the
1: contract and the, and I'm you know, every contract has a buyout clause or at least, you know, most contracts. So I'm sure there's a number that says to be bought out of this contract is X amount of money. And McLaren probably knows that. And McLaren sounds like is willing to pay it. One final
0: question before we move on to Colton Herta getting his first F1 test. Do we expect Alex Pillow to be with the team through the remainder of the season?
1: I don't. Uh, Most teams, I would say yes. I just feel like that. I feel like Chip Ganassi has a bit of spite and he will not be afraid to exercise an option to kind of steal back the control because he's effectively lost control of this situation. I could see him to make a point, even if Alex below still in the thick of a championship race, pulling him out of the seat, which would just be amazing for drama. I would love it.
0: We'll find out again this weekend as is at Toronto. If Pillow is there, I presume he will be. I presume he'll be driving, but the future of that ride, I expect him to finish out the season. I don't really have doubts, but like you said, it may not be up to Pillow on that. It, it may right? be up to attorneys and contracts and things of that nature. Obviously, Pillow will have to be paid out. Otherwise, then you'll have a separate lawsuit. But... <laughs> There is a a lot at play here. Okay, the story we thought would be the lead this week. Colton Herta gets his first TPC McLaren F1 test, the testing of a previous car, as he was in Portimao to test the McLaren MCL35M, last year's uh, F1 entry for the Papaya team. Quite impressed was the quote that... Uh, mclaren officials had on colton Herta in his test he got two days of testing monday and tuesday so things went presumably quite well for Herta on the test obviously we won't know of any further testing until after the summer f1 break which we would expect he would be a strong candidate to participate in fp1 at coda coming up in october
1: That'll be exciting, and every all indications were McLaren was very impressed with what Colton Herta did uh, at Portimao. So, you know, it we always seem to go back and forth between Herta and, and Pato Award. So, um,
0: I guess Herta is in the command seat right now in terms of that having that edge. 162 laps on the course over two days, over 460 miles. And Andreas Seidel uh, was impressed with his fitness approach to get the most out of the seat time. They will compare the data. Again, different time of year between last year's race and now with the uh, Portuguese Grand Prix. Isn't it amazing? Like the next level, the Formula One goes, so if we just had
1: a test at Porto Mayo or something random, we would say, oh, you know, this person, we don't, but people would say, oh, this driver is fastest and this person's second, third, fourth. McLaren is just now going over the data, you know, t- timing one thing, but all about conditions and tires and this year's car compared to last year's car and all that stuff. And just the, the information that they're going over to really kind of delve into just how
0: good or bad Colton Hurdle was is certainly next level. And they will do it and we'll see, they'll be looking at his performance and, and Seidel says it's obviously very difficult to compare because conditions are completely different. We're in different tires as well from Pirelli, but of course in the next days the team will go into the data in detail to get an initial idea of the potential Colton has shown in our car, and then we'll have a better picture. Will Stevens took part in testing today on Wednesday as their testing driver. But, all that said, they're impressed. If they weren't impressed, they wouldn't say it. So that's a g- good news for Colton Herta. And again, it's not just Coda. We they have to run an F one rookie two times this year in an FP one. So could it be Herta and someone else? Could it be Herta both heard sessions? Pato? It d- depends on if they're trying to get a more super license points and, and what the needs are with that. But all in all, good stuff on testing for Herta because we don't know any times. It's it's really again though testing times are everything. But on this case, they are because you're trying to get a comparison to how someone is performing against an established standard. And right. We don't know that. Yeah. And we cannot
1: stress how important these tests are for drivers. This may be your one and only chance at turning some heads, right? For the right people at the right organization. These are, this isn't just a casual, i want to say casual, but you know, we talk about Stingray Rob just got a test at mid Ohio, right? The pressure on Stingray, Rob is is big to impress, but doesn't even pale in comparison to the pressure Colton Herta had testing that car.
0: Christian Rasmussen, also uh, his teammate with Andretti and Indy Lights, they had a test day on Tuesday at Mid Ohio. But yes, yeah, the the pressure to perform, knowing that yeah you're not in their most up to date car, but this is the best comparison best opportunity you're going to get in a testing program. Everything is set up for your success. You just have to excel. You have to execute for sure. Now, Caleb,
1: it seems to be changing daily based on every IndyCar tidbit of news and even Formula 1 tidbit of news that we get. But right now, as we record this podcast here on Wednesday afternoon, what does the driver lineup for, for McLaren F1 look like next year? Is it Lando and Ricardo?
0: Honestly, I don't think so. Do you
1: feel one of Herta, Pato, Polo
0: could be in that second seat? I do, and another name to throw into it. This is a guy who's waiting on a seat in Formula 1. Oscar
1: Piastri? Correct.
0: Which he's what, a Williams Jr. driver
1: or test driver or something like that? He was
0: with Alpine. Okay. And again, he's waiting on a seat because they simply don't have one. But that, that is another name that's been thrown at me uh, by IndyCar Deep Throat. So you, you just have more options in, in F1 and then IndyCar Deep Throat also saying that... Uh, so Piastri could be running some races for McLaren in IndyCar next year. I mean, this is the beauty of what Zach
1: Brown is doing is he's gathering this gaggle of talent and then is just going to slot it in where it best maximizes their potential and best for McLaren.
0: Then goes on to say, by 2024, I thought that both Ricardo and Norris will be gone. Norris apparently coveted uh, by Red Bull as a replacement for Perez. I could see it.
1: I mean, Perez has just been signed to an extension. But a one-year extension. Just a one-year. Luckily, he's performed enough this year. uh, Not recently. Um, but, you know, he won, won at least one race this year, even two. can't remember. But, yeah, I, I feel like right now is, is I agree with you. I don't know if it's if, if Rick is back in Formula One next year at this point. And this is the thing, you know, Colton Hurdy, you can say, oh, well, he has a contract for 2020. For Contracts don't matter, right? I mean, they McLaren can be bought is out. like, yeah. McLaren is paying $40 million to Daniel Ricardo to race for them this year in Formula 1. Like what do you think is the collective amount of money paid to full-time IndyCar drivers in 2022? It's probably close to 40 million. I mean, I don't think it's probably uh, over 50
0: million? As far as for the entire grid. The entire
1: grid. How many people are making over a million dollars? Six? I I'd be surprised if it's that many. I mean, yeah, I'm saying like McLaren is paying forty million dollars for one driver. The highest paid driver in IndyCar, what would you say, is probably making three tops? Tops, yeah.
0: And you would assume that would be Dixon.
1: Right. So we're talking about an astronomical amount of money that McLaren could throw. They're not going to pay a driver $40 million in IndyCar, obviously, but you know, they could pay three million to somebody. And it's, you know, chump change compared to what they're giving to Ricardo. That that's the that's the game that McLaren can play that nobody else can. Can play in IndyCar is the amount of assets they have capital and that pathway.
0: It's a trifecta of goodness for McLaren. And Herta sounds pretty confident on how his test went. And again, I mentioned the quotes from Andrea Seidel. So uh, they, they were happy with the test saying quite impressed. All that goes to show that he could be not for long in IndyCar. I mean, I would say
1: one FP one, is one thing. If Colton Hurta gets both FP1s for McLaren, that is as big of an indication as any that he's going to be with McLaren F1 next year.
0: Well, I think we'll know shortly after the F1 summer break. So late August when they come back, I think we'll know our answer on Ricardo for next year. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of stuff will happen either before or during the summer break for Formula One. Okay, time now to preview the Honda Indy Toronto. Oh, there's a race this weekend? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And there's a lot to get to not just on the track, but off the track for this weekend. First off, this race on Peacock. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> okay. The first uh Peacock and only Peacock exclusive. It doesn't Race of the Year. I don't
1: mind it. You don't mind no. it. No. But a certain and I think minority of
0: people, vocal minority, it bothers them. That's how that works. It's usually always a vocal minority. So first we'll start with the Peacock angle again, only $5 a month. There might even be a seven day free trial. So you could just get it for that, but you need Peacock premium. If I'm, if I'm not, you need the $5 one. Yes. You, yeah. It's not, not the free. Yeah. that option. Okay. So you can download the app, watch on your smartphone tablet on your smart TV, or if you have like a Roku or Apple TV, google uh, fire stick again it's very easy to get
1: 65 year old parents have multiple fire sticks they know how to operate them it's not rocket science okay if you have
0: netflix on your device you can get peacock on your device yes very much so and look okay five dollars a month
1: you know you can you can complain about that your cable package if you divided it by how much you pay by the channels you actually watch you're probably paying five dollars a month for certain channels. It's not that easily. Yes, right. You're
0: you're paying probably like twelve to fifteen dollars. Yeah, a month. based
1: on your you know cable package, those you know whether it's Dish or Xfinity or whatever, they have to pay you know per person a fee to those networks. So it's not that big of a deal, folks.
0: All right. So here's some other options, courtesy of Necktie Arnie Schribben of IndyCar Communications. Uh, if you have Xfinity cable or internet, Peacock Premium is currently included for all Xfinity Flex customers and Xfinity X1 and video customers who have a subscription to Xfinity internet or digital starter TV or equivalent. This also works if you have Cox Communications Contour Service. So it's included for a lot of you. Uh, that's a good, a good starting point for that. All right. So then we get to things on the track. Are three key stats plus some bonus stats from Chad two hundred. First off, power: three wins, two poles, one hundred and sixty-two laps led. The last three finishes: twenty-first, eighteenth, and eighteenth. Ooh, Elio finished second and three of the last six races here. Simon: last three finishes here are fifth, second, and first. Or a one from pole back in uh, twenty nineteen, and then bonus stats. Sunday marks a thousand and ninety-nine days since the last IndyCar race in Toronto. Ten drivers were in that last race. Half are with different teams now. Rodolfo Gonzalez has led more laps at Toronto than Rossi, Rosenquist, Ericsson, Herda, Sato, and Daly combined. Oh, Rodolfo was was amazing at Toronto.
1: (laughs) Which, I mean, we anticipate a decent crowd, but we haven't heard anything. And I don't know if, you know, that's good, bad, or indifferent. I guess we'll see. But it sounds like, you know, from the quotes that we, we read this week and seen... In terms of the the size of the pit lane and how um, Green Savory Promotions have made adjustments to accommodate the what twenty five full timers that we're going to have this weekend in Toronto, but there was also quotes about working to make the pit lane as large for as many as thirty cars in the future. So plans being made for Toronto for the future for a race that you know in the in the middle of COVID we felt does it ever. Return to Toronto, so some good news. Hopefully, some people show out and show up this weekend.
0: All right, getting to the schedule for this weekend. All these times Eastern Time. Practice one Friday, July fifteenth, two thirty to three forty-five in the afternoon. Again, everything on Peacock, IndyCar Live for international viewers who don't have access to a streaming platform, SiriusXM IndyCar Radio. Same platforms for all of this. Uh, Saturday, ten to eleven a.m. Practice two for IndyCar. Qualifying, 2 o'clock to 3.15 in the afternoon on Saturday. Warm up, 10.55 to 11.25 Sunday morning. And then the race, the broadcast window, 3 to 6 p.m. Again, only on Peacock, no USA, no IndyCar, uh, or excuse me, NBC this weekend. And 3.20, approximately, the green flag time listed on IndyCar.com. I'm sure that will be like... 3.27 Three twenty-seven or something more specific. Sure, but sure. Be sure to be tuned in around three twenty or so for Is that the when race. the
1: broadcast starts or three, 3 o'clock? o'clock.
0: And they said what three minutes of commercials between yes. the start of pre-race and the start of the race. So basically one break. Well, no, no, no. that's three minutes total. This is from Nathan Brown of the Indy Star. But they may are they going to break that up into minute segments or just one three minute break? i probably break it up into segments, but it'll be limited commercial interruption for this weekend on Peacock. So three minutes total, uh, for this weekend. Yes. I mean, I
1: don't know. The commercials don't really bother me as much as other people. I mean, that's a whole different conversation, but i watched last middle Ohio race delay on Peacock because I forgot to set my DVR and every commercial break was like a minute long. And that was it. Now it was because it was recorded, and they got rid of you know the four, three, four, five minute break and just replaced it for one minute. But I, got, I just I I can't understand. I got to pay the bills, right? I just I don't understand. You know, people are so spoiled by Formula One, but you know that's a discussion for another time. But it's good for at least between the pre race and the start of the race, minimal interruptions
0: yes for sure and we'll see how this goes but look if they were going to put a race on peacock unfortunately it's probably going to be this one just for fear of cancellation at the time the schedule came out race seems solid fans are excited canadians will be able to watch live on television through That's i think sportsnet uh, and that- streaming Sportsnet 360, I think, is their, their package. So. I mean,
1: you bring up a good point on why Toronto is the peacock race is, you know, with the uncertainty with Canada and their COVID rules, you never knew what was going to happen, right? So if they were going to have a race that may fall off due to extenuating circumstances, it would be Toronto. And that's why it kind of got stuck with that that peacock date.
0: Another note, again, entry list not out as we were recording On Wednesday afternoon but Takuma Sato will have Deloitte on the side pods for his entry this weekend and Team Penske also earlier released um, their their uh, what am I trying to say their their liveries for the weekend I was drawing a blank but their liveries for the weekend and taking a look at who is in what car this weekend for Toronto it'll be Joseph Newgarden in the Hitachi car, Scott McLaughlin, X-Bell car, Will Power, of course, in the Verizon car. So that is what we know as far as deliveries for this weekend. And I would presume that DHL will be on the side pods for Grosjean this weekend as well for Andretti because they've already touted some events with DHL in Toronto. There we go. All right. All that said, time to uh, pick a race winner. Man. What if I said Alex (laughs) Blow? Um
1: no, but I'm gonna go. I will go man, it's tough not to go with a Penske driver, you know, winning six of nine races. And with the fact that we haven't been to Toronto and going on three years, is you know, I feel like experience is going to be key at Toronto. Um I'm not gonna think too far outside the box and I'm gonna go with Joseph Newgarden. For a fourth win of the
0: season. Yeah. Fourth wow. win. You know, I'm tempted to pick Newgarden. But between Penske and Andretti, I feel like they have the two best street course programs as far as raw speed. I'm going to go with Colton Herta to rebound and pick okay. up a win. Well, trust me. I mean the the
1: the person that loves the attention that uh, McLaren and Chip Ganassi Racing are getting over the this week is is Michael Andretti and Andretti Autosport. They could they could deserve to have the spotlight off them after what happened at Mid Ohio, and we'll see if they can bounce back this weekend.
0: Yeah, first we've we brought it up because well, there's nothing new on that front. Plenty new for some other teams in IndyCar. It's wild how quickly things change from week to week.
1: It's amazing. Love it. So you know, looking forward to to Toronto, and you know, I we we think you know, considering Canada hotbed of uh, IndyCar racing, discussions at some point getting a second race up in Canada. Hopefully the response is pretty good this weekend in terms of people showing up after a couple year hiatus.
0: If you agree or disagree with our picks or anything we've had to say about Herda, the pillow drama, we'd love for you to interact with us. You can find us on social media. Our Twitter handle is IndyCar podcast on Facebook. Like us to search for new track record. You can also email us your IndyCar questions, comments, or rants, new track record podcast at gmail.com. Check out the website, newtrackrecordpodcast.com. While you're there, sign up for the email list so you never miss an episode or any special announcements. And you can join us on Patreon. Thanks to Xavier and Rob and others who have joined us, patreon.com slash newtrackrecord. We have four different supporter tiers starting at as little as a dollar per month for you. And as always, you can find us on your favorite podcasting platform and follow us for free on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, CastBox, or wherever you find your podcasts. Okay, Justin. Yes? Mailbag time. A lot to get to, I'm sure. (laughs) Yes. A whole lot to get to, and we're going to go back to last week before all the craziness of the past couple of days. And starting off on the mailbag, this from... Stealth one oh one four. The pull on most to blame for Andretti Autosports' recent struggles. So there, that topic comes back into play. <laughs> I don't think it's the driving; it's the front office and strategy. How many times have Rossi, Ryan Hunter-Reay, and Marco been running top ten, only to have the team pit off cycle, taking the race out of the drivers' hands or screw up a pit stop? Hashtag countless. Yeah, that seemed to bite Marco quite a bit back in the day, and numerous
1: times. Over the course of the last several years, that that has bitten Andretti Autosport more than any other team. Sometimes it's strictly bad luck. Sometimes it's bad decision making or miscues, and those have happened more often at Andretti Autosport than almost anybody
0: else in the paddock, let alone the top teams. And speaking of Marco Andretti, m underscore Massey twenty two Michael Massey on Twitter uh, chatted with Marco after he finished runner up last weekend's SRX event. And Marco says, I'm talking to some people about Xfinity. If I can hang with these guys, maybe I can hang in Xfinity. He's had a lot of success in SRX, very competitive in that series. I'd like to see him in Xfinity. I wouldn't watch,
1: but it'd be cool <laughs> to see uh, Marco get another opportunity and and be able to sling it around the track in Xfinity.
0: All right. We uh, posted this poll again before all of the craziness, mind you. Will Colton Herta be in F1 in 2023? Again, before all the polo news, so things have have changed even more since this poll was posted, but several replies. Seems like a lifetime ago. Yeah, it it really, really does seem like a lifetime ago. And 77% of you said no, 23% said yes. A few replies here. DC Soda just says, boy, that'd be a bummer. Indy Nathan 2024 would seem more likely, whether it's Andretti F1 or McLaren. The Roth says, "What if, alternatively, he's the third AMSP driver? Huh. Interesting. Wouldn't
1: that just be crazy? Yeah. <laughs> I <don't>, I <laughs> now, are we? Are we? As we see all these names pop up, and you know, who the heck knows what Zach Brown has playing next? But he has said, you know, I, I guess he has, you know." whether this changes or not. I mean, three, three cars for McLaren full time. I mean, could, could, is there a scenario where McLaren has four full-time cars in IndyCar next year?
0: No, I think they run a fourth with a partial schedule, at least the month of May, and then maybe trickle in a few other races. Okay. But I don't see a fourth full time. I don't think so either, but I mean, at this point, the I don't know. I don't know if it's possible. And then run underscore mark underscore run says 2024 is the earliest with the current McLaren contracts. Yeah, Contracts mean nothing. Current. Current the keyword there. Uh, this from Arcole wanted to bump this up. Hashtag random driver. He posted this back on the <laughs> 14th of March 2020. Uh, someone uh, he sent a, a, a photo of Rodolfo Lavin last week's split air driver of the week in the uh, Corona car. So shout out to Rob. Pretty look, good throwback. looking car too. Yes. All right, you posted this and got some good responses in honor of Honda Indy Toronto's triumphant return to hosting IndyCar this weekend. What's your favorite all-time Canadian race? Scuba Steve 85 says Toronto 2001, Michael's lap one contact that led to an off-sequence strategy call that brought home his seventh Toronto victory. P Gaynor 14 said Edmonton 2010. LEO <laughs> confronting uh, IndyCar officials, as you recall. <laughs> Yep, and then Vicky lynn twenty six said, "My hubby and I were there. That was crazy." What was your favorite Canadian race? Mine. Yes, I have would one? have to. What's up? Do you ha- do you have one?
1: I don't. I mean, no, not offhand. I would say, in terms of memories, the the Elio one kind of sticks in my my mind now after somebody mentioned it. But what about you? I
0: think the one that sticks out to me is Toronto, two thousand eleven, when. Dario tagged willpower and willpower gave the whole Dario always drives me dirty comment. That's right. My oh, gosh, that was 2011. That was 11 years ago. I think so. Jeez. It was either 2010 or 2011. I think it was 2011 though. That's I will, will sh- double I check, that but that was a wild, wild race back in that era. And again, they were championship rivals. I mean, that's what just made it so crazy. Yeah, Dario won that race. Power started on the pole. Power ended up finishing 24th. He got a stop-and-go penalty for that contact. So that was on lap 57. He hit Will Power. Power spun out. Then he was hit by Alex Tagliani out of the race. (laughs) Power called Franchitti a dirty driver who mouths off about everybody. That's Just a legendary, me. legendary interview. Oh, so that's my favorite. I like it, and rightfully so. That one sticks out as well. But obviously, Elio in 2010, that gave IndyCar some some cred, I guess, in, in media elsewhere, because that was a, a struggling time for IndyCar back in that era, and it got got a decent amount of attention. So, obviously, good good for IndyCar to get some attention out of something. Okay, continue on with the mailbag. And talking about you posted this, if, if IndyCar fans had smoke flares like the F1 fans do, specifically at Austria and Which, the Netherlands.
1: There was photos on social media of, of people missing, couldn't see the start of the race in the section, the Red Bull section for... Max Verstappen, because of so much smoke.
0: Polish Shevchenko said orange for VK. they probably sell orange in bulk at this point. Yeah, I think that's the obvious one. Atlantic at 99, it would be pink for that annoying fence-climbing dude. So we got an Elio hater. The Roth says yellow for for Jimmy Johnson and his caution flags. Ouch.
1: (laughs) That was a good one. (laughs) And that was not me on a
0: burner account, I promise. (laughs) Firehawk 89, orange. Uh, D Bishop, 1987 Pato and red, white, and green for sure. So Mexican flag colors left underscore brigade white. So every driver is constantly worried about engine trouble. That's funny. too. That so good, good responses from everyone on that. All right. Now we get to the uh, Alex blow stuff. These are replies to Alex blows a uh, tweet and we just posted the, uh, Emoji of the head exploding, because, well, that's what that felt like. DC Soda says, and here we thought Andretti didn't have it together. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> Hunter's Way 67. This is nuclear war. Holy crap, who takes the number 10 car? Lot, Malukas, Lungard. My hope would be for Bourdais. I know he's no kid anymore, but I'd love to see him get a shot in a top flight any car. And he adds, I can't believe I forgot, VK. It's a possibility for the number 10. I'd love to see Bourdais get it just to have that opportunity. Right. And he's under get assy under contract and yeah, the sports car sports side. cars make sense pochev silly season after today and it's a gif of an atomic bomb going off Arcole says uh survey says drama bauer racing this is going to be excellent i agree zaxi 8771 plow wants that f1 pipeline in his life yeah i think that is the key part in all of this is just having that connection and then more replies talking about the Adam Stern tweet on what what went down and Pello now announced to McLaren. Jeremy from HBG says, this "Is the express lane version of Mansell even Williams back in the day?" Honestly, I I can't say I remember that. I mean, I was alive no. for, but I don't remember it. But I'm sure it was A wild. before
1: our time. but everything we've we've heard and seen, it was definitely huge. But I mean, that's a Formula One world champion coming to IndyCar. This is an IndyCar champion going to another team. So, a um, little comparing
0: apples and oranges a little bit. Nick J. Fletcher, breaking Chip Ganassi Racing has signed Zach Brown to drive the number 10 in 2023. That's pretty funny. I just need, I, I want to see Chip and
1: Zach have some sort of altercation. I don't even need, not even need to be physical. I just need
0: a yelling match between the two. Jeremy from HPG. my best uneducated guess in this whole mess is below has a clause, gives him a buyout to go to F1. The rest is Chip throwing a tantrum. Yeah, I, I guess that is what I would speculate as far as him being able to get out of this. Right. I mean, it brings up an
1: interesting question is this is a rivalry that has been boiling, continues to boil, and is based in in actual dislike and what's the last rivalry in indycar between two drivers teams team owners whatever of this stature that was really really based on not liking each other Cause for, for, you know, we've talked so much over the past, you know, decade or so is everybody's nice. Everybody gets along all that stuff, you know, in the heyday of, of IndyCar and cart, I'm sure it was a thing, but not in recent memory.
0: You post this fake quotes, get you fired in journalism and PR realm. Is this a fake Alex below quote? Was it a quote given a while ago and put in the can by Ganassi PR? and uh, some responses here. Hunter's way 67 TK called it. He said jaws would drop when we found out it was going to be the third McLaren car. Um, Jeremy from HBG, maybe chip wrote it. Uh, probably not. He probably but just signed chip off Probably it. approved it. Yes. And then this kind of follows up with that. And we have a lot of good responses here for two guys talking about us with backgrounds in journalism and news media. The most astounding thing out of yesterday came from Marshall Pruitt, mentioning an article that motor racing teams, sometimes make up fake quotes for press releases. It shocked me at first, but then when I learned, Oh, people write the quote out, but then it usually gets approved. Okay. Right. That I can understand. That was understand. the missing
1: piece of this. I mean, you know, yeah, not I having come from that a different world, but for sure. Yeah.
0: It, we come from a world where you would never make up a quote. You right. would have to have a quote from someone talking to you to be able to run a quote. Yeah. I mean, it was a fireable offense to take a fake, I mean, make up a fake quote for sure. But having that context, it's still a surprising the lack of approval. Uh, at least that is what Plo is alluding to in yeah. this case. Hunter's Way 67, any car's version of Drive to Survive just fell into their laps. They better not have dropped the ball on this. Yeah, Well, well they, they <laughs> we'll it. see. CC uh, C. Smith 1989, this has not surprised me at all. Owners especially have more important things to do than release a personalized quote for a weekend preview or sponsor release. I'm sure they just trust their PR or marketing team to do it for them in a way that paints it in a positive light. That I understand, I guess. Yeah. Daniel SEM 2004. All PR groups for every sports team or organization make up quotes for their athletes. Anytime you see a press release, those lovely crafted words from an athlete that can barely cobble together a sentence with a camera in their face were from PR. Uh car chick says you really shouldn't be that surprised. The athletes aren't just sitting around waiting to give quotes for press releases. Usually it's a mixture of things they have said before, but should always have driver athlete approval before submitting. Motomel 89 adds, I could totally see pre-crafting quotes to approve. The lack of approval is what really shocks me. But also, I don't know many people outside of the U.S. Canada who use folks like CGR did in that Polo quote. So maybe they need to work on their Polo voice a bit. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> I could Good see point that. point there. For sure. Yeah. Tyler underscore Allen. So much for integrity and credibility. Where do these PR people learn? It's okay to do that. Uh, one, you go gimp. <laughs> PR people do this all the time. Think it is bad and racing. Try writing the political world. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd rather not. Oh, I'd rather, <laughs> rather not. And Atarkov says, uh, yeah, that's how press releases work. Actually, the person who the quote is attributed to does see it and approve it though. And that didn't happen here if Alex is to be believed. So that that is the disconnect on that. And there are a few other Um, responses on that Marshall Pruitt saying very much a case of individual preference some drivers owners don't care don't want to be bothered with giving approving quotes every week and some don't want a single word to go live without full oversight as an aside I assume every quote in a racing release is from PR that's true and then mixed up says they always get approved that's the one single screw up here sounds like CGR push go on the release they would have done normally to force the issue and should have removed the quotes yeah that would have changed this quite a bit Yes. He still probably would have been upset, but the the, quote would not have been attributed to him. Absolutely. And then we got this also from Steve uh, Woodich. He sent to us, I went back and checked once, Dixon gave the same pre-race quote for mid-Ohio six years in a row. (laughs) I like that IndyCar has started to ask them to do the video quotes instead. (laughs) So that is wild. Yeah,
1: and I just, unfortunately, it's just a, Look, I get lack of time and being able to do all that, but it's just, it's a bad precedent. I don't like the fact that somebody else is writing quotes for somebody else. It's just, I I guess, once again, going back on my journalism background and working in newspapers for the better part of 15 years, almost 20 years, is just something that, you know, just doesn't sit right with me. And I I understand lack of time and all that. It's just...
0: i would feel better if people didn't do it yeah i i agree now not that i'm expecting uh, drivers to sit around and say here's what i want to say but the approval part i guess that part is the part that really shocks me the most i mean it's just a bunch of basically
1: though that we understand the press releases are basically written by shills anyway basically making everything sound great and fine and happy-go-lucky. It's it's corporate speak. Right. It's corporate shills, basically, is what it is. And as a journalist in my previous life, we would try not to use any quotes out of press releases if we had the opportunity to get other quotes. And that was just how I directed it. I know in 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 the heat of the moment, right, you're on deadline, have to use whatever you can, but I would just steer clear of using... Uh, quotes
0: directly from a press release. And we got this from Jaren Demendal. And again, this is translated from Dutch, so apologies if any of this is mistranslated, but it talking about, you know, background in media and the the whole made-up quotes. Uh, in the middle of gate. it is extremely fascinating. This detail causes so much fuss. Once every quote in every press release is formulated by a PR professional rather than by the person quoted. But maybe this is also professional uh, information, I know. It says deformation, but that's not really like a, a word <laughs> for us. So <laughs> I think information, I think, is probably the correct word yeah. with that.
1: Well, I mean, I understand it. I just don't like it.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And then last one, this from Rock D. Why would Plo want to leave a race team that is putting most of its drivers in the top 5 to 10 every week to go to a team having major Reliability issues. Two words: Formula One. I'd say three words: Formula One, money. Yes, I was going to say and money, but yes, yeah, yes, correct. No, yeah, two not, big reasons. Not uh, necessarily he's getting Formula One, Formula One money, but just the possibility he's getting more money, opportunity, and a lot more money than he's making now. Yep. All right, that wraps up the mailbag. As always, you can send us your tweets, Facebook messages, snail mail, or email us your. Questions, comments, rants, manifestos you have regarding IndyCar each and every week. I want to get a manifesto. Somebody send (laughs) us like a just the IndyCar manifesto. Yeah,
1: just a loose notebook that's filled cover to cover on some sort of rambling manifesto on whatever IndyCar topic you desire.
0: News and notes time and a few things to get to starting off this article from Marshall Prude of Racer.com. IndyCar readying for grid expansion. 28 plus entries possible on the grid when next season gets underway. Not really any surprises here. Jay Fry saying we're already looking at what next year could look like. And we think we might be 27 to 29 cars. Looks like it's possible and all of them are legitimate. We could be close to 29 if they all come together. So we'll see how it plays out. We've had 26 cars every round until... Well, no, yeah, we had 26 at Mid-Ohio. It'll obviously be down to 25 this week. No Tatyana Calderon. We learned that uh, no plan for them to run any races with the number 11 without Calderon or Hildebrand in the cockpit. So Benjamin Peterson, that was previously suggested. Um, that does not sound like a plan moving forward. So who knows? I would be surprised if we see the 11 car on track the rest of the season, unless they get additional payment from Rocket. Waiting by the mailbox probably every day, seeing if that check comes.
1: I understand why. Like, yeah, you got to pay the bills, and with uh, three cars, you don't have the funding. You're not going to run it.
0: All right, this translated article that Indy 44 found, Fundadora track will be revived. NASCAR and IndyCars cars are shaping up. What? Yeah. Really? So this is... In, what, Mexico? Parque mm-hmm. Fundador announced the total reconstruction of its 3.4-kilometer track. Um, interest from any car NASCAR and holding car races 2023 and 2024, similar to the Grand Prix of Monterey or Champ Car World Series that were held between 2001 and 2006. So, we'll see. This is a, again, translated article. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. I don't have a lot of faith. This is a, an option. So you look at where this track is. I think I, right now all
1: indications, and I say that because, you know, even though all indications were Alex Pillow would be back with Chip Ganassi racing in 2023, but it sounds like there won't be any th- crazy additions or even additions period to the schedule for 2023. I mean, if anything, no. maybe a uh, homestead, maybe an added oval earlier in the season, But other than that, I think we're looking at a pretty similar schedule to this year.
0: Yeah, so this is the track that hosted uh, Champ Car, again, 2001 to 2006 in Monterey. So this is the hometown of Pato Ward. So all that makes sense. It's just, you know, are there any legs to this beyond just this article? But they're looking at a rebuild of the track. It's a park. Construction would begin this Sunday to conclude in October, 24 million peso investment. Um,
1: I mean, I don't know how much does it go go into details in terms of what those renovations are. Is it track
0: renovations? Is it uh, accommodations for teams and fans? I I don't know. They're going to demolish and then completely rebuild 50,000 square meters of Boulevard Acero in the area surrounding the runway. That seems a lot to do in two months, but that's me. Yeah. I would
1: agree. But hey, you know, Cup NASCAR is going to make a
0: Chicago street race work, so who am I to doubt anything at this point? I have my doubts, but this would be really cool because IndyCar having a race in Mexico would be very, very exciting. Hey, take Uh,
1: advantage before Pato's in Formula One. That's all I got to say.
0: Yes. uh, This says, although an unofficial source confirmed to Millennia, which is this website, Multimedia's platform that the new racetrack would push a real interest from NASCAR... And IndyCar to hold competitions 2023 or 2024. Quote says, everything indicates that the intention is to leave the track in these conditions and that the races could return to Fundador at some point. There's interest from NASCAR to come to Monterey. It's still unofficial. It would be for 23 or 24. I'll we'll have the conditions to carry out car races again. Formula One not interested in the moment. NASCAR and IndyCar are being explored, according to a state government source.
1: I would like IndyCar, if this was a thing, to be take the initiative and if there is racing returns to Monterey IndyCar be first and not follow NASCAR.
0: Yes. And again like you said, get this in before Pado Award potentially has gone to Formula 1. It's a track around a park? It I mean, track around a park sells itself. Yes. We'll we'll see how it works, but it's in the heart of the city, so access getting there not an issue. Good. So we'll see how that works, but that is a possibility. And one other note, Scott McLaughlin got to throw out the first pitch at the Cubs game the other and night. And a
1: pretty good pitch, too, from what yeah. I saw. got it over the plate. Yeah. That's key. It was not a 50-cent-like first pitch. No.
0: And if you've or seen it, you've seen it. it Who's the lady um, who had another terrible first pitch? Another yeah, singer. I remember she hit Carly some. Ray Jepsen. That's who it okay. Was. Yeah. It was, that's who It was. I remember that one too. All yeah. right. Time for tweets of the week. And Oh wait, one more note, Logan Sargent and Carlin racing. Yeah. You remember that name. He now won the Austrian feature race. Did you see how he won that. He finished fourth, but there is a disqualification, several and a penalty. So a t- he moved up. He ended up winning the race. He wasn't even on the podium, but then ended up winning the race. So that's back-to-back wins for Logan Sargent. Yes. Right? That is correct. He's second in F2 points, so he's gone second, first, first, his last three races. And another note, Tim Crawford, father of Jack Crawford, who races in F3, they postponed plans to form an Indy Lights team, however, still exploring 2024 for that. Okay, now time for Tweets of the Week. First off from Poet Andretti, we're the most def- dysfunctional team in IndyCar. Ganassi, hold my taco bell. Very great, funny. Yeah,
1: great, great text.
0: Kyle underscore Benjamin TV, Chip Ganassi Racing exercises Alex Below's option for there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. <laughs> and that'll make it, and that'll be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4 0 ball game. Tom Brenneman reference. Yes, uh, good stuff there. And just Newgarden tweeting, I'm entertained, very, very entertained. Trackside Marty replying, Announce that you're going to McLaren, too. Really add some fuel to the
1: flames. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, Zach probably, Zach Brown probably made a run at everybody, including Joseph Newgarden.
0: All right, time now for our split-air driver of the week. You know, we're going to keep it in the
1: family, so to speak. We're going to go to cart in 2001, and this isn't an, a absolutely obscure guy, but he raced for Chip Ganassi Racing, and there aren't very many borderline obscure guys that did that. So to honor Chip Ganassi Racing, who never lost this driver to McLaren. It's Nicholas Manassian in 2001 and raced a partial season in 2001 for Chip Ganassi, including the 2001 Indianapolis 500. Now, of course, in 01, it was the year with Chip Ganassi competing in cart, but also entered the 500. Manassian finished 29th at the Indianapolis 500 that year and raced six other races or cart in cart that year. Best was an eighth at Long Beach, and uh, let's see, he got a eleventh at Monterey. Speaking of Monterey, at the Fundadora Park in Monterey, uh, that that year, a crowd of one hundred and sixteen thousand people watched that race. It was the cart season opener, in which Manassian finished eleventh there.
0: Helps when you have Adrian Fernandez competing a little bit, Michelle Jordan Junior competing as well. But a lot of uh,
1: finishes in the 24-hour of Le Mans. That's really where Nicholas Manassian competed for like, almost 20 years, it looked like, starting in the uh, mid-1990s and going all the way through 2016 with SMP Racing. It's a familiar name. Yeah, and, yeah, Michaela Lotion. Yeah, right? So, um, But that was one and done for, for Manassian in open wheel. Uh, did cart again 2001. Uh, Did the Indianapolis 500 in 2001, and then did uh, V8 Supercars for a couple years as well. Did Bathurst, uh, American Le Mans, so pretty accomplished driver in other disciplines, but the one-and-done in IndyCar, still only 49 years old, so um, was relatively young when he joined Chip Ganassi Racing, but it was a driver that um, didn't leave for McLaren, um but he won the the NASCAR oval racing series in 2002 and never heard of it i've not heard of it either but apparently it was a thing um but um he was unable to secure a formula 1 drive for that 01 season so his backup plan was Chip Ganassi Racing in 2001 so uh competed with Bruno Giancarra, uh Jeancarra the pole sitter i believe in 2001 2001. for the indy 500 both of them raced in f3000 in the late 90s so they knew each other then and then were teammates at least for partial season in cart uh with chip ganassi racing but like i said keeping the family a little bit talk some chip ganassi racing and uh this week's random split era driver of the week mr nicholas anassian
0: and to correct myself, that was Scott Sharp, the pole sitter in two thousand one.
1: Oh, we remember how that yeah, went.
0: Yeah, we do. <laughs> I'm not sure how I got that mixed up, but uh, yes, in a random air driver of the week that I've actually heard of. Yeah,
1: right. I felt I wasn't going to look too too far because what I did is I just went to Chip Ganassi Racing's drivers and felt I got to find something here and uh, went with Manassian. It, it felt it, it fit it fit the mood this
0: week for sure. All right. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. We'll be back next week to recap the honda any toronto and any other drama that comes out of this weekend i'm sure <laughs> there is plenty that could come out of this weekend and we'll know a lot more with all this polo ganassi mclaren mess that is next week on new track record podcast
1: podcasts
0: by federated media